Family matters. Family, God's design for the coming Savior. Did you ever think about it that way? Did you ever think about it that God's idea, right, for bringing a Savior, again, not to come as a grown man, but to come as a baby in a manger. Think about it. To come by way of family. Isn't that cool? This, this month, we're going to be talking about family matters, things that matter to the family, you know, things that, that matter within the family, and, and family matters, things that we deal with as a family, you know, all of these things. And you think about family, you think about Christmas, and there's a lot of thoughts that flood through your mind. I know it is for me. It seems as I get older and older, which I'm not that old, I understand, but I want less and less things, and I want more and more of people. You notice that? I want, the, I want my grandfather back, right? I think about that and how much fun we used to have down on the farm in Lake Number, Virginia. You know, Christmas. It was gifts wrapped with newspaper, the funnies, right? That's what it was. It was, it was the, the gift of, hey, did anybody else do that? You know what I'm talking about? He was cheap. Good Lord. You hear, he's like, when he walked so tight kind of thing. I remember he would give us some coins every so often, some walking liberties or some, some other silver coins and things like that through Christmas. I'm like, man, you know I want to walk, man. You know I want a CD walk, man, that every time I walk, man, that thing skips. But he was giving us other things that mattered more. I think back, you know, obviously with losing my father and how the family is, is totally different. And you think back with the family unit and how that was crazy growing up or you think about how it was great sometimes growing up. You think about rides in the car and you think about... Family matters, right? Are you with me? See, this is God's design, family. This is his design, and this is his design when you look around this room. Again, a few weeks ago, I was praying. I was walking around this room, and and, uh, the week after that, you guys were home for Thanksgiving. We went through withdrawal, okay? Because here's the thing. I also got the visual how God has created family around you. Look to the outsides. A lot of these guys... Okay, it's kind of it's kind of neat. It's kind of intermingling now. But a lot of these guys on the outsides are the ones that are the families that live here all the time. And part of our vision from the very beginning of this church was having a place where you guys would find family. Why? Because family matters. Christmas, man, think about it. It's family stuff. One way or another. And a lot of it builds up to or rests on or or whatever expectations. Right? Why do you make a list? Because you expect to get what's on that list, right? Parents, you know what I'm talking about. You guys, you know what I'm talking about. You're praying that you still get that new North Face fleece. You want some stuff. Those new boots or that you, because it's, it's, you can't help it. You want, that's what you expect. You want some stuff, right? Family matters. And those things matter to you and they matter to your parents because it just matters. And you think about these expectations, And this Christmas season, I think about this expected Savior, and I think about great expectations. You may have heard that term before, a guy named Charles Dickens. You remember that? Maybe you guys were sleeping during that class. Anybody fall asleep in school a lot in high school, middle school? You need to get more sleep in your life. All right, I understand. I was that guy. But maybe you missed that class. It was uh, Great Expectations was Dickens' 13th novel and only the second to be written in the first-person narrative. That's a story that is told by one person at a time. I know sometimes we need those reminders again because we had our best sleep in church and in school, okay? Why you? Got, it's real. That struggle is real up in this, especially it's nice and cozy right now in here. Maybe a little too cozy where you're just like, 
Yes, Lord, hallelujah, kind of thing, all right? You wake up and you're the only one screaming. That gets awkward really quick. But we're talking about a story about a family matters story from Scripture where it was revolved around some great expectations. And we're talking about this story uh, that would result and that would end in the greatest expectation ever with the expectation of the son, Jesus, by way of Mary. And we're talking a little bit back. This, this story predates the birth of Jesus, predates that a little bit because it's, it's the beginning stages of what God was putting into play to make way for Jesus and even later in his life and what he would do. This story revolves around two very, uh, f- very important first-person narratives of well, the, that of Zechariah and Elizabeth. These guys that we don't hear a whole lot about, really, they're kind of those forgotten folks. And I love, in the Christmas story, finding those folks that were on the periphery that didn't seem like they really played in that much to the story, but they are essential when it comes to family matters, okay? It's essential. Let me give you a little bit of background on these guys. Zechariah was a Jewish priest that God used to set into motion the greatest plan of redemption known to, to, to God and to man, the birth of Jesus the Messiah. They were married and fellow descendants of Aaron, both being from a priestly family. Parents to John the Baptist. You remember that guy? Hung out in the woods, ate locusts and honey, had a beard like Rob's. You know what I'm talking about? That's what I picture, Rob the Baptist, okay? Um, <laughs> Rob's like, friendship, a divorce, okay? Papers are in the mail, served, all right? They lived in Judea. Both were credited with having uh, lived truly blameless, righteous lives before God. That's a big deal. Righteous and blameless lives, and they were childless after years and years of trying. And Elizabeth was cousin to Mary, the mother of Jesus. So read with me Luke 1, 5 through 17. You don't have to read out loud, but you can follow with me on your screen because that could get awkward for you really quick if you start reading out loud, all right? Are you with me? Let's go. In the time of Herod, um, king of Judea, there was a priest named Zechariah who belonged to the priestly division of Abijah. Observe Elizabeth was also a descendant of Aaron. Both of them were righteous in the sight of God, observing all the Lord's commands and decrees blamelessly. But they were childless because Elizabeth was not able to conceive, and they were, they were both very old. Once when Zechariah's division was on duty, and he was serving as priest before God, he was chosen by lot according to the custom of the priesthood to go into the temple of the Lord and to burn incense. And when the time for the burning of incense came, all the assembled worshipers were praying outside. Then an angel of the Lord appeared to him, standing at the right side of the altar of incense. When Zechariah saw him, he was startled and gripped with fear. I probably would feel the same way. But the angel said to him, Do not be afraid, Zechariah. Your prayer has been heard. Your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you are to call him John. He will be a joy and delight to you, and many will rejoice because of his birth. For he will be great in the sight of the Lord. He is never to take wine or other fermented drink, and he will be filled with the Holy Spirit even before he is born. He will bring back many of the people of Israel to the Lord their God, and he will go on before the Lord in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the parents to their children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the righteous to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. Can you imagine how scary that may have been for Zechariah? You're up just doing your priestly duties, right? 
You guys know what I'm talking about. You do it every single day. You're just priestly. No. Okay. He's going into the temple. He's doing the things that he does every day because that was what he's supposed to do, starting the incense, getting these things burned, getting this rolling. And then all of a sudden, as he's just, it's probably what I see. He's just praying, God, you know what we've been going through. For years and years and years, God, we've prayed. We've expected that this would happen by now. God, what is going on? All of a sudden, woof, an angel. Can you imagine that? I probably would have been like, oh, my, something just happened. I need to go change, okay? Because <laughs> typically when an angel would show up, things weren't too good. It's like, oh, you're an, okay, I'm dying kind of thing. Wasn't typically a good situation. Can you imagine what he was feeling in that moment? And he said, don't be afraid. I have, I've heard, God has heard your prayers, and they will be answered. Think about that. Think about that for a moment. This is something that, that, is, that, that brought on such a unique season to their lives that they never expected. And we understand seasons, don't we? We understand what that's all about. We understand that it's a time that's characterized by maybe a particular circumstance or a feature or an indefinite period of time. Or obviously when we look outside, we see that it's winter right now almost. We're feeling it two weeks ago. You know, Mother Nature's bipolar. Uh, two weeks ago, it wasn't that way, Right? We see seasons. We understand this kind of stuff. And these guys were setting up for the most different season in their lives ever because God was working something in their lives. He was about to show up in this season like never before. Think about it. Years and years and years they tried to have a child. He supposed to do, but lived with this shame of not being able to conceive. It was what she was supposed to do, especially in that time even more than now. You know what I'm saying by that? Years, day after day, moment after moment, shame, feeling that God is not going to come through like they first expected him to do, just like he was doing with everybody around them. Their expectations have failed, but it was just a season. Now, let me ask you this. Uh, any of you guys know that old carol, all right? And it starts with, deck the halls with boughs of holly, right? Okay, so that's what I'm going to do. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do that part, and what you've got to do is you've got to say the, the second part of it. fa la 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 Now, if you watch the Christmas story, it's a little different, right? fa ra 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 Okay, so, but which, this, we're getting in this, okay, because this is, you'll understand what I'm saying in just a moment. Are you ready? Are you, you going to work with me on this? Okay. Deck the halls with boughs of holly. Tis the season to be jolly. And that's it. I'm not doing the rest of it. Okay. But you think about this. This is one of those songs, right, that we get excited about in this Christmas season, right? And there's this little, this little phrase in the second part, tis the season. And when I was thinking about this, this great expectations thing, and I was thinking about the seasons of life, th th these, these three words kind of jumped out with me when it comes to this, this season of great expectation. Tis, if you look at it together, it means this is. That's definitive. This is a season to be jolly. Now, I'm not talking about St. Nick. <laughs> jolly, okay? To be, to be filled, to be to over, overflowing with joy that comes with the relationship with God through Jesus Christ. That's what this season is all about. But we know how life can be with seasons. And we see this in Zechariah and Elizabeth's life with this season that they found themselves in. It was hard to maybe conjure up this type of feeling, right? until you hear God come through saying that I have heard, I have heard 
your prayer. So there's a couple things that I want to just give to you this morning in light of uh, this, this family that we see here and this family that God is creating in light of the family of God altogether and in light of even the family today here at the Foundry Church that God was putting together at the beginning of time. You can go all the way back to Genesis, the redemption of man. You know, God was starting a story, and he was working on a story here, and this was just one of those seasons where he was showing up in an amazing way. So here's some things that I want to, to give to you this morning, some, some thoughts, some observations, and, and it'll start with this, tis the season, and then we'll follow it with this. The first one is to delete our doubt, to delete our doubt. The first thing we see in verse 18, following an amazing encounter with an angel, uh, Gabriel is asking Zechariah, how can I be sure of this? You hear this, I'm an old man and my wife is along in years. Now listen, I hope that she wasn't listening when he said, my wife is old. <laughs> Gabriel, surely you know she's old. Things don't work like that. They don't look the same as they used to. She's old. Are you sure you got the wrong thing? Is this somebody else's day? Well, that's supposed to work today <laughs> kind of thing. Can you imagine this, this conversation that, that they're having here? His first response is doubt. When we think about expectations in our lives and the way we thought things were going to turn out, and when they don't do it, and we, see, we hear this, little, this little, little snippet from God saying that I've heard you, first thing we do typically is bring in some doubt. It's natural, isn't it? Why? Because so many times before it hasn't worked out, so it's just not going to work out again. I've expected things to look this way, and guess what? When I expected that, I didn't get it, so I'm not going to expect it this time. I'm going to doubt. It's easier to doubt than it is to believe. Think about it. Doubt. Now, what happened in his life? Because of his doubt, he became mute. He wasn't able to speak. Imagine that, right? If we doubted and things like that happened in our lives, I think we might listen to God a little bit more on the front end. Some people say, Lord, we're praying for Justin to go mute. That would be great. Ask Kara, right? Uh, poor thing. But in this situation, it was because of doubt that he couldn't speak for some time. A lot of times, this is our first response. 1 Peter 1.8, Though you have not seen him, you love him. And even though you do not see him now, you believe in him and are filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy. For you are receiving the end result of your faith, the salvation of your souls. God's trying to build in us belief, not doubt in these situations. When our expectations don't turn out the way we expected them to turn out, he's trying to build faith in our lives, not doubt. We have to press delete. Isn't that great when you're working on a Word document or something like that, or you're working on something that just you thought was going to be great, and then all of a sudden you're just, you know what? Highlight, delete. Isn't that fun? Because you're just like, clean slate, new opportunity, fresh power. I can do whatever I want right now. When it comes to doubt, if we don't delete it, it won't become faith in our lives. Second thing is this. The next step, tis the season to give to God. As we look ahead just a bit further in the story, we see the response that Elizabeth has when she finds out that she's pregnant. Can you imagine this? In verse 25, the Lord has done this for me, she said. In these days, he has shown his favor and taken away my disgrace among the people. This was a big, 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 big deal for her. 
decades of not being able to, con- to conceive. Shame that rests upon her for decades and decades because she could not make Zechariah a father. You, know, you think about all of this as she's feeling, all this emotion. You think about decades and decades of expectations that have been blown apart by life. You, you can understand that. Years and years of hurt, pain, whatever it is, that, that things happen the way you do not expect them. Imagine this feeling, but what, what do we need to do in these types of moments? What, where, where do we need to, to direct our attention? What do we need to do? We need to give credit to God. She said, the Lord has done this for me. The Lord has done this for me. It goes back even further in her life. Verse 6 says, Both of them were righteous in the sight of God, observing the Lord's commands and decrees blamelessly. They were able to see the fullness of their faith because they lived a life that was based out of it in the beginning. Out of obedience. Out of believing that regardless, even though I feel like this is never going to happen, I'm going to keep believing. I'm going to keep pressing through. I am going to live righteously. She believed the words of David penned long, long ago, Psalm 23.3. He guides me along the, the, path, the right paths for his name's, his name's sake. She knew that God was always before her. If she followed him, he would keep her safe. He would lead her where she needed to go and she needed to be and where she needed to be. Why? Because his name was on the line. Think about it. Jehovah Jireh, my provider. Jehovah Rapha, my healer. We have to give him credit. We have to always be quick to give him credit, but it starts with giving him control. The third thing is this. Tis the season of divine delivery. Divine delivery. We look at verses 57 through 66. We hear of a baby being born. When it was time for Elizabeth to have her baby, she gave birth to a son. Her neighbors and relatives heard that the Lord had shown her great mercy, and they shared her joy. On the eighth day, they came to circumcise the child, and they were going to name him after his father, Zechariah. But his mother spoke up and said, No, he is to be called John. They said to her, There is no one among your relatives who has that name. Then they made signs to his father to find out what he would like to name the child. He asked for a writing tablet. It was an iPad. And to everyone's astonishment, he... What? So Steve Jobs is everywhere, okay? He exists outside of time, all right? That was good, wasn't it? I liked it. He asked for a writing tablet. Maybe it was a joy. Uh, and to everyone's astonishment, he wrote, his name is John. Immediately, his mouth was opened and his tongue set free, and he began to speak. First thing he does, praising God. All the neighbors were filled with awe, and throughout the hill country of Judea, people were talking about all these things. Everyone who heard this wondered about it, asking, what then is this child going to be? For the Lord's hand was with him. A divine delivery. We see that God is setting the stage for the divinity of Jesus Christ. We see that God is setting the stage for things that exist out of our mental ability and capacity to understand. God is setting the stage for great faith in that Christmas season, if you think about it that way. That's what God wants to do in your lives. He wants to give divine delivery to you. Those things that you've asked for, those things that you pray for, those things that you believe for, maybe seemingly for decades, for years. He wants to divinely, wants to divinely deliver on his promises in your life. But what do you got to do? 
you got to be willing to allow his words to be in your mouth, his heart to be in your heart, for his will to be accomplished through you. And it's so key for us. And in that moment, people will see how amazing he really is. How many of you guys have an Amazon Prime membership? Is that not the coolest thing ever? Seriously. All right? What's really fun about it is you get to just, like, find anything you want in the world, and you just do one little click, and then two days later, what happens? Ta-da! It's like this little present sitting outside. It was like Christy yesterday when she came to the cookie. <laughs> She's like, I hate you. She came to the, the, the ladies' cookie exchange, and she had an Amazon Prime box. I said, you primed your Zen, didn't you? Two days later, you didn't make those cookies, did you? She was like, stop that. But those things were, your cookies were on point, girlfriend. All right. But the thing is this, we love, we love to get things on time, right? And if Amazon Prime fails you, what are you going to do? You're going to tell them about it, okay? Because you said that I would get it two days later. You are a liar. You sit on the throne of lies. You are not Santa Claus. (laughs) Smell like beef and cheese. There's four main food groups, isn't it? Candy, candy corns. What else is it? Syrup. Syrup. And was there another one? I don't know. That's enough. All right. I, I, I love Elf. I can't help it. It's Christmas. Christmas time is, you know, it's great. But you think about it. If Prime doesn't deliver on time, you're going to march on down there and find out who, who made the problem happen for you, especially around Christmas. Is it kind of like that with God sometimes? God, you told me you'd answer, you'd take care of me, you would take care of all of my needs according to your riches and glory, aren't you? Don't you own everything, God? I'm waiting. Two days later, nothing. Come on, God. Friendship, divorce. Come on. It's so funny, though, how we don't like the divinity aspect of his delivery. We want it right when we want it. But I think he's trying to build something in us. You think about for that while when Zechariah couldn't speak. I don't know what I would do if I couldn't talk. I, I just, I, I don't know what I, the world would be a quieter place, obviously, but I, I, would, I don't know what I would do. I would have to like pin everything, you know, kind of, I don't know what I would do. But you think about it in his case. God was trying to speak. God was trying to, to set up something divine. And a lot of times with us, we like to get in the way and expedite the process, don't we? We'll pay a little bit more for faster shipping. We'll pray a little bit more for, past, for fa- faster shipping. Think about it. We'll do whatever we can to get that delivery on time, but God exists outside of time, not Steve Jobs, right? God has a plan for our lives. He has a purpose. Isaiah 55, 8 through 9 tells us this, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. Imagine this feeling. Imagine this feeling that Zachariah and Elizabeth were going through as they prayed every single day and believed. And then all of a sudden, they, they understand this scripture from Isaiah, that God has been thinking about this, and he's making a way where I didn't think it would ever, ever, ever happen. God's good. I have a lot of scriptures. If you want, I can send these to you. But God is good on his promises. That's the key for us. God is good on his promises. The fourth thing is this. After this divine delivery, tis the season to speak through the Spirit. We saw that Zechariah got his voice back, but it wasn't his voice this time around. Verse 67, Zechariah was filled with the Holy Spirit and prophesied. 
This is significant because not only did God take away the disgrace by giving them a child, but he restored Zechariah and gave him the ability to tell about the coming redemptive Messiah that was promised through Abraham. Again, when we can speak on our own, we don't necessarily always speak the right things. But when we speak through the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit will speak what he wants us to speak. That's kind of hard sometimes, isn't it? To hold our tongue just long enough where he can speak for us. But God knew that he was going to do something great through Zechariah and through his family. And he needed to take his, his tongue and control it for a while so that he could insert his spirit in his life so he can become what he was supposed to become and speak the message that he was supposed to speak. Joel 2.28 tells us this, And afterward I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your old men will dream dreams. Your young men will see visions. The only way these kinds of things will happen in our day is if we, we follow these instructions from the prophet Joel. Right? It says that even now, this is earlier on, even now declares the Lord, return to me with all your heart, with fasting and weeping and more rend, which means to tear in two your heart and not your garments. He wants our heart. Return to the Lord your God, for he is gracious and compassionate, slow to anger and abounding in love, and he relents from sending calamity. Zechariah was at a broken place of his life. But he gave it to God, and in that brokenness, he gave him the ability to speak. Is it hard to speak from brokenness sometimes? Yeah. Because brokenness almost brings shame. It's like you're supposed to have it all together. Do you know what I'm saying by that? Think about Zachariah's life. He was this priest. He was this guy that was, you know, from the big, he was the man. Everybody thought he always had it together, and all of a sudden, they can't have kids. He can't even speak now. Who is this guy? He's no one special. Look, can you imagine what he was feeling? The brokenness of his life and out of the brokenness, God brought the fullness of life. God loves broken people. He does. And there's nothing wrong with being broken. There's nothing wrong. Who is more helpless than a baby? Right? Think about it. Who was more helpless? And it was part of God's plan to help us understand to completely trust him with everything. And all of our brokenness to trust him. It was his plan for our lives. So that he can do this. And the last thing is this. Tis the season to herald hope. To herald hope. This is what Zachariah's hope looked like. Beginning in verse 68. Praise be to the Lord, the God of Israel. Because he has come to his people and redeemed them. He has raised them up, a horn of salvation for us and the house of his servant David. Think about this. I just want to give you a slight precursor. Years of silence. Nobody heard from God. And then all of a sudden, God is showing up with the Messiah. He has said through his holy prophets of long ago, salvation from our enemies and from the hand of all who hate us to show mercy to our ancestors and to remember his holy covenant, the oath he swore to our father Abraham to rescue us from the hand of our enemies and to enable us to serve him without fear in holiness and righteousness before him all of our days. And you, my child, will be called a prophet of the Most High, for you will go on before the Lord to prepare the way 
for him to give his people the knowledge of salvation through the forgiveness of their sins because of the tender mercy of our God by which the rising sun will come up from heaven to shine on those living in darkness and in the shadow of death to guide our feet into the path of peace. Giving them something to expect once again. That's what's hard. When all expectations that we've had have been dashed by life, to dream again, to believe again, and God says, listen, I'm going to send someone. First, this boy, John the Baptist, to be the precursor of Jesus Christ. And he's going to herald this message. Zachariah, I'm going to use you, and through your son, make way for Jesus. Zachariah understood the fullness of this moment. He was totally in this moment understanding that he was going to be the one to help make this happen through his son. Great expectation. What we're going to do this morning is conclude with some t- a time of worship together. Our team's going to come up, and um, I want to challenge you, kind of as we did in the beginning of this, what are you expecting this Christmas season? What have you found as the biggest struggle in the past where you feel as though your expectations have been dashed? And what do you feel like God wants to do in and through your life? Because I can tell you the truth, life will take that right out of you. And we've experienced that. We've experienced the feeling of not having hope, right? We've had experienced the feeling of, of, of failure. We've experienced the feeling of distance from the family of God and from God altogether. But this season is a time that God is building expectation back into your life. Are you with me? This is a time when he is restoring what, the, what has been done in the past and returning to you the joy of your expectation. And that's what we see in this little baby, bringing a sense of great expectation of what's ahead. Again, we have the ability to see the end of the story because we have the whole Bible. We get to see how we win in the end. But right now, sometimes we don't feel that because of the expectations in our lives and how things have not turned out the way they have. And I want to challenge you this morning. I want to challenge you to re-up your expectations in your life, to re-up, regardless of what the family situation has looked like in the past, to recreate new expectations through God, through Jesus, in light of what he's done. Are you with me? This is an amazing season. Amazing opportunity to expect more from him. What I want to do is if you could just close your eyes with me. Just want you to take a moment. Earlier we saw those things that were written, again, on the back of our eyelids that we feel like we deal with on a weekly, daily, every minute kind of basis. One of the things you may deal with the most is feeling separated from God. That might be the first thing that even when you come into this place, you're like, I just want to be with him, but I don't know how to get there. You just have to start. You just have to believe again. We have this little thing at home called the elf on the shelf. And uh, it's a fun little thing because I watched the belief factor of my children and how excited they get to see where he will be next, the next day, 
And it's magical in this sense that I want to believe like that in God. Wondering where he will be at the next day and how I can follow hard after him and live with such a sense of belief that anything in the world can happen when I'm with him. I want that childlike faith. I want that belief that regardless of what happens around me, God is still God. And for for some of you in this room, that might be the the foundational level for you that you just want to believe. You want to have that type of faith. You've been hurt by family. You've been hurt by church, whatever. I don't know what it is. But you want to have that faith again, or maybe for the first time. And if it is for the first time, I want to challenge you with this. Just allow God to do his thing. What does that look like? Acknowledging that that God the Father gave his only begotten son, that he came as a baby as we celebrate now, but that as he died as a man to take away the sin of the world. That everything pointed to that moment. And my challenge this morning is first, do you have a relationship with him? Do you believe? Second challenge is have you engaged the faith and kept the faith in your life? Because we know when expectations are dashed, the faith goes with it a lot of times. So maybe you need to re-up your faith. Those are the two most important decisions you can make today. So again, if you want to believe for the first time, if you want to start a relationship with God through Jesus Christ, I just want you to simply just look at me. You don't have to raise your hand or any of that. Just look at me so we can pray with you. Okay? This happens every week because we make space for people to meet God. Thank you. Through Jesus, the most important decision you will ever make is a relationship with God through Jesus Christ because there's no way to the Father but through the Son. Anybody else? Okay. Maybe the second place is where you find yourself that you need to re-up your faith that you need to re-engage your faith, that you've believed before, but again, things have made it hard for you to believe again. And this is the season to expect great things once again. If you feel like you need to re-up your faith, just look at me so we can pray with you at the end, okay? All right? All right? Okay? It's a lot of us, man. I'm with you. Okay? Okay? All right? We're in this together. just pray now and believe. God, in this moment, you have, through your Holy Spirit, you you have allowed us to fill your heart in this place, God. God, you have been genuine and you have been present here as you always are, God, and we thank you for that. And God, your Holy Spirit has brought forth conviction for a reason so that we can walk with him. He convicts so that we can do life together. That is your goal and that is your purpose, God, so that we can do this thing together and not be alone. And the number one thing the enemy loves to do is to cause separation and to cause isolation. We speak to the enemy this morning and say, you have no place in this church and the lives of these people. Because as we learned a few months ago, you are a defeated foe. 
God, we claim victory over deception. Mm. The lies, the absolute lies of the enemy. We, we, we claim freedom. Even the lies you try to tell me, freedom. Freedom. What does that freedom look like? A relationship with you. God, regardless of, again, what's swirling around us, God, you're there. I thank you, Lord, for this morning and people's hearts. You've allowed them to see you. You've allowed them to feel you. And now they've experienced you and they will leave changed because of that experience. Lord, we simply pray together, forgive us. We repent. We turn from ourselves and our desires and we turn to you and your plans and purposes for our lives. Let us, God, live like Zachariah and Elizabeth, blameless before you and a righteous people that do our very best to stay in touch and to stay in step with you. God, you love us in our brokenness, but you don't want us to stay there. And that's why you've created this church, you've created this movement of people that can journey together. So we seal this moment. We believe that you have brought forth healing to our hearts and to our lives and that we will believe, we will expect great things again and that we will be able to tell the story of your goodness, God, and all that you've done. God, we thank you for it. And we we, we just seal this time in Jesus' name and only through his name. This is a challenge I have for you guys. Over the next two weeks, this is this is like a mandate. Are you wish, are you with me on this? This might make you feel uncomfortable because you're like nobody tells me what to do. Here's why. Every single week, the most amazing thing happens in this room: salvation. Every week, somebody is getting saved. Saved from what? If anything, our hot mess of ourselves. Okay. But here's what I need. I need you. Listen, I need you to do this for me. I have people asking all the time, tell me about the foundry. What's God doing? I tell them all the time, people are are finding Jesus. Lives are being changed. But I need your story. You know why else I need your story? So I can continue to pray for you. As we meet here every single Tuesday and we go through these things that you guys submit, these, these prayer requests, seven in the morning, praying for you. I I need you. Are you with me? Nod your head if you understand what I say. I need you, even if you leave here before before you leave today, to grab that connect card, just put your name on the front, and then what God has done in your life as being a part of the foundry. It can be simple. Salvation, okay? Rededication, all right? Healed. I've heard of people, we just pray in the hallway. It can happen anywhere. Man, God healed my knee. I haven't had the pain since. I'm like, what? We need to write this down. This is the kind of God we serve. This is the kind of thing he's doing. I prayed for a financial miracle, and I got to check. Write it down, because we need to celebrate these things, because what it's going to do is encourage the person to the right and left of you, because they don't necessarily believe because their expectations have been dashed with the same. I want to share these things with you. 
I want to share these things with, po- with folks that have invested in the foundry for years already now of what God's doing, but I need you to help me, okay? Are you with me? Nod your head if you will commit to that, all right? That's 80%. That's not too bad. Okay. All right? So before you leave today, start then. All you have to do, there's a basket that will be in the back as you leave. Just drop that part of the card in the basket. You can drop the whole card. I don't care. You don't have to rip it. Just drop it like it's, oh, okay, we've got some, we've got somebody. Okay. All right. But we got to make sure that we're hearing your story because people need to be encouraged by what God's doing in your life. I was depressed, but I'm not. Come on. I was broken, but I've been made whole. Come on. I know this stuff is happening. I hear snippets of these stories all the time. Okay? Let's do that. Are you with me? You can even do it during this time of worship. We won't judge you for not standing. Right, Matt? He's like, I'm going to judge you. Yeah, I'm going to judge you. No. This is part of our heart as a team is to get your story out. So even during this time, if you want to worship, you can do that. But just, just take a moment. I know that may not seem right for a service, but I, we need to celebrate this. We need to celebrate these things because you matter to this family of the foundry. And what matters to you matters to us. And we want to walk with you. Okay?